Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a great start. I am so excited as we come to today's episode of Inspire on the Go. We are so blessed to have Courtney Rysick with us. You may be familiar with Courtney if you follow the Gospel Coalition or Risen Motherhood. She's an author. She is a speaker, a Bible teacher. She's a wife and a mom and a member of Emanuel Baptist Church right here in Little Rock, Arkansas. Her most recent book is called Teach Me to Feel, Worshiping Through the Psalms in Every Season of Life. And today, Courtney is going to talk about the Psalms. She's going to talk about the different emotions that we experience in life. You know, the last 18 months, they have been hard months for all of us. We've had some highs, we've had some lows, and it is so good that God meets us right where we are. So in this podcast, listen as Courtney helps us understand how the Psalms provide healing and hope and help while giving us a big view of our God. Enjoy this episode of Inspire on the Go with Courtney Rysick. Well, I'm so glad to be here with you on the Inspire on the Go podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about how the Psalms speak to us in all of life. I have a recurring dream. You might have a recurring dream like this one, and this recurring dream, it happens before any big or out of the ordinary thing happens in my life. I start to have this dream, so when I was a waitress in college, I had a reoccurring dream that I was the only waitress in a busy restaurant on a Saturday night. And I would be the only one there who would be able to wait on tables and take care of all the customers. And whenever I travel, I have a reoccurring dream that I miss my flight or I forget my luggage, which I have done before. I've forgotten my luggage at home or I have a reoccurring dream that it all, my hotel's not ready or anything is not ready for me. And even when I was pregnant, I would dream that the baby would come and we weren't ready. Or when I was supposed to get up early to run with a friend, I would have a dream that I missed my alarm. Or when I travel, I have a dream I'm going to miss my alarm and wake up to the sunlight because those things have happened to me before. I've been unprepared for a myriad of things that have happened in my life. And I wonder if you've ever had a reoccurring dream as well, where you walk into a situation completely unprepared. And maybe even right now you're breaking out into a cold sweat because you're like, I've been there. I have had that reoccurring dream where you find yourself in a classroom and you forgot to study for the test or you have a big presentation to give and you forgot to change out of your pajamas. Can you tell that I do not like being unprepared? Maybe you don't like being unprepared. And some one, which we're going to look at today, speaks of preparedness. It tells us how to be prepared. And not just for moments like being overwhelmed as a waitress or being unprepared for a child being born. It speaks of being prepared for everything, for the good and the bad, for the happy times, and when life throws suffering at us. And I'm sure that if you look at the last year and a half of your life, you've probably had your fair share of curveballs, right? Maybe you've learned how to do virtual school or to do grocery pickup. You've learned how to do drive through baby showers and Zoom calls. You've learned how to have smaller family gatherings and simpler holiday parties, or maybe you've learned how to have no holiday parties at all. 
and you're still reeling from all of that. But were you prepared? Were you prepared for what life threw at you? Were you prepared for the curveballs, for the, the sense of uncertainty that you felt every single day? And I'll be honest, I was not prepared. When the losses came, was your heart prepared? When the isolation came, was your faith intact? And regardless of how your life ended up in the last year, my prayer for you in this message is that by the end of it, you would come to see that the message of Psalm 1 is true. And it can be true for you even today. So turn with me to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. And I'm going to begin reading, and I'll read the, ent the entire psalm. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 1 speaks of a person who is prepared. A person who is prepared for living and a person who is prepared for dying. Someone speaks of a person who's prepared for good times and a person who's prepared for bad. And this is incredibly important as we look at the entire context of the Psalms because one, the Psalms scholar divides the Psalms into three categories, three major categories. There's smaller ones, but three major categories. He says we have Psalms of orientation, which are telling us what life is supposed to be like. We have Psalms of disorientation, they're telling us what life is like. And we have Psalms of reorientation that are going to tell us what life will be like. So we have Psalms of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. And as you think about Psalm 1, I bet you can imagine what Psalm 1 is. Psalm 1 is a Psalm of orientation. Psalm 1 tells us what life is supposed to be like. And Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are the introduction to the entire book of Psalms. They are different in scope, they're different in structure they're different in the, in the things that they talk about than, than the rest of the book of the psalms there's five books of the psalms and so books books one through three are heavy with lament books four through five are heavy praise and then it just builds and praise so you get to the end of the psalms and often when we come to the psalms we read them as standalone chapters we, we we go to the psalms for encouragement we go to the psalms to encourage our hearts we go to the psalms when we're suffering we go to the psalms when we're happy what we need to understand before we get to the rest of the Psalms, the Psalms have a structure. The Psalms have a purpose. And the person who compiled the Psalms, the, who put them all together, put them together with a highly structured purpose. And the reason for that is found in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is preparing you for what is to come. If you just turn a little bit over to Psalm 3, you'll see Psalm 3 begins with suffering. And David is running from his son. 
And we need Psalm 1 to prepare us for everything else to come in the Psalms, for everything else to come in life. Psalm 1 tells us the blessed life, which is just another word for happy. Once some translations say, happy is the man. The translation in the ESV says, blessed is the man. So the happy life is the one spent meditating on God's word day and night. We see this in verses one through two. And one of the purposes of the Psalms is to give us language for our emotional responses to life's difficulties and successes and then to drive us back to God. So it makes sense that the Psalms begin with the value of the word or the value of the Bible because God wants us to be prepared for what is to come. And in the Psalms, we get a front row seat to God's people's experiences, front row seat to David's experiences. Unlike other parts of the Old Testament, the Psalms are not moving the story forward. They are telling you what's happening behind the scenes of the hearts of God's people in the good times and in the bad times, in the happy times and in the sad times. They are telling you what's happening in their hearts in these historical books like First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. And Psalm 1 starts the entire book of Psalms with the most important thing you need to know for what is ahead. And that is God's word will sustain you. God's word will carry you. God's word will give you language for life's ups and downs, life's unexpected trials and lifelong trials. Psalm 1, the psalm of orientation, is preparing us for the calm before the storm. And whether your life was filled with storms prior to 2020 and the pandemic, the reality is that everyone's life was touched in deep and profound ways by the suffering that was brought upon us. And I don't know what suffering you are experiencing right now, whether it's a loss of a job, whether it's continued isolation, whether it's uncertainty for your future or school challenges with your kids, lifelong sickness, or even just wanting to return to normal, whether you're walking through a season of suffering right now, or you're going to walk through a season of suffering ahead. Psalm 1 asks us to question what we are filling our time with when everything around us is swirling with emotions and feelings about all that is happening. Do we fill our minds with Netflix or food or busyness? Or do you just grin and bear it and try to survive? Or do you flourish? Psalm 1 gives us a better way to be prepared. So first, Psalm 1 tells us that you prepare by doing something now. You prepare by doing something now. Many people rightly think of lament when they think of the Psalms. The Psalms are filled with lots of sadness and difficulty, which you could read, read just a little bit ahead in the Psalms and you'll see a lot of sorrow and difficulty. But how do you prepare for things like physical suffering and injustice and envy and your friends disowning you or depression or even feeling like God has forgotten you? How do you prepare or sustain yourself? Start with the Bible. But on the flip side, the Psalms are also filled with testimonies of God's faithfulness of prayers answered, of deliverances accomplished? And how do you respond to the joys and successes and triumphs and answered prayers of life without boasting in your own strength? Psalm 1 says you start with the Bible. The best way to prepare for 
all the seasons that life brings upon us is to start now. And this is why Psalm 1 tells us the blessed woman makes God's word her delight. The blessed man makes God's word his meditation and delight day and night. If you want to live a blessed life, know God through his word. The first step to preparing for the waves of suffering that break upon all of us at some point is to lay the foundation of God's word in your soul. The first step to preparing for the high points of life is to lay the foundation of God's word in your soul. And if you don't want to abandon him in despair in your greatest distress, or if you don't want to turn from him in self-reliance in your greatest triumph, you are going to need the word for both of those circumstances. There's a true confession that I often prepare by imagining the worst case scenario. So my default in preparation is to say, I'm just going to imagine how bad it can be. What's the worst thing that can happen? I'm going to prepare for that. And I have imagined all sorts of horrible things in an attempt not to be blindsided by suffering. But do you want to know something? Do you want to know when it's never done for me? It has never given me a leg to stand on in trials. Because you know what? I have been blindsided. No amount of preparation can prepare you for some parts of some suffering that we endure. Some of us face our worst imaginable suffering. You can't even imagine it and it happens to you. But do you know what has always carried me through? God's word. No amount of conjuring up the scenario in my mind can carry me. Human strength is worthless but not God's word. So the way you get prepared is not in your ability to plan for the worst outcomes or to dream about what could happen or to prep for the end. Psalm 1 says the way you get prepared is by meditating on God's word day and night. Psalm 1 tells us that there are two ways to live. You can walk in the counsel of the wicked or you can walk in the counsel of the righteous. One is rooted in the word of God. One is rooted in the words of others. And I don't know what your temptation is in preparation. But the way you get prepared is by filling your mind with the only words that matter. There are a lot of words being thrown at us. Words on the internet, words in our families, words in our minds, but God's word is the only word that matters. So we study God's word. We talk about God's word. We memorize God's word so that when you are cut by the hardship of life, you bleed Bible. You bleed Bible. So you prepare now. You prepare now. Someone also, though, talks about the result of our preparation. The result of our preparation. Sometimes it can seem like I'm reading my Bible and I'm getting nowhere. I don't know if anyone else feels like that. Feels like I'm reading my Bible and it's not doing anything. I'm not growing. I'm not inching forward. I'm not growing in sanctification. Maybe you forget everything you've read. I mean, that happens to me regularly. I read and I'm like, do I remember? Do I remember everything that I read? But God has promised to work through his word. So we can trust it, even if it doesn't feel like it is working, it is absolutely working. Look at verses three and four. 
Salma says that spending time in God's word does something for the believer. The woman who is rooted in the word will be like a fruitful tree. It doesn't wither and die. And in Arkansas, we live in a part of the United States where pine trees are everywhere. So when a tornado comes through town, pine trees are decimated. The needles are all blown off and the trees themselves fall to the ground. But why don't they stand? Why don't they stand? Because their roots are shallow. Roots are shallow. Do you know what tree isn't decimated when a tornado comes through town? Unless it's a huge one. Hardwood trees. Hardwood trees have deeper, stronger roots. And they stand firm. And it's this type of tree that the psalmist has in view. A hardwood tree starts out small, starts out in seed form. Over time, sometimes a very, very long time, it grows. It starts with the roots and the roots are planted firm and deep and they cannot be moved. And then the flowers bud on the branches and the leaves grow. And then it's a tall, mature tree. But this is a process. It takes time doesn't happen overnight. It's steady. It is secure. It is rooted and grounded. And it cannot be moved. It cannot be moved by storms. It can't be moved by tornadoes. It can't be moved by floods. Its roots dig deep. And sometimes in, in our town, hardwood trees grow up right next to the pine trees. When everything is going well, they can look equal. They look the same. Proof. It's when it gets hard, when the winds blow and the tornado comes and the storm rips through town, truth and proof is in the roots. The hardwood stands firm like the one who is rooted in God's word. And just like the hardwood tree, the woman who delights in God's word, meditating on it day and night will prosper in the fiercest storm. And also she will prosper in the favor of spring. You are nourished deep in your roots by the streams of water that you are planted near. And this is the fruit of God's word in your life. It's a process. It takes work. It takes time, but it will happen. And this is the image we need to keep in mind as we look at how the Psalms speak to our emotions. And even as we look at the Psalms and wonder why evil is winning or why our own growth is taking longer than we hope, trees take time to grow. And sometimes it seems like they're not growing at all. But the woman who's able to stand in times of lament is like a hardwood tree. She's rooted in God's word. It will work in her life. Doesn't remove the difficulty, doesn't take away the deep emotional angst she might have over the suffering that she experiences, but it gives her a foundation to fall back on. And you may feel like you're being torn limb from limb, but if you are rooted in God's word, you will stay standing. This is why the Psalms begin with the word. You need this truth to anchor your life. You need to know God's intent for you, or you will never be able to make sense of your experience. The tree only grows because it is nourished by something else. It only stands because there's hidden work happening beneath the surface. And when the tornado comes, the tree's 
roots are a matter of life and death. And this is true for us as well. Someone talks a lot of living and it talks a lot of dying, verses five and six. There's a lot of contrast in this psalm between the wicked and the righteous. And in the whole of Psalms, there's contrast between the wicked dying and having no leg to stand on when the judgment comes and the righteous prospering and growing because in Psalm 1, they're rooted deeply in the word. Look at verse 4. The wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. Why are they like chaff? Because chaff has no weight. It has no root. Chaff is the leftover of the wheat. It's separated out in the wintering process and it's lying on the threshing floor. Chaff is useless. It's waste. There's nothing grounding it. It blows away even in the smallest gust of wind. It's, it's gone. But contrast that with the one who meditates on God's word. The one who meditates on God's word doesn't perish. Verses five and six, the one who trusts in God and his word lives. This is such a hopeful truth as we look at and talk about the ups and downs that come in the Psalms, but also in our own lives. Death may be all around us. Death will one day be right before us, but we know the end from the beginning. The world might be crashing and burning, but we stand because we know where we are headed in our roots. Dig deep. Blessed is the woman who makes God's word her delight, who meditates on it day and night. And all that she does, she prospers. Verse three, the prosperity that the psalmist is talking about, though, is not having all your prayers answered in the way you want them or having a full bank account or even having lots of friends. Prosperity that the Psalms talk about is a prosperity of a different kind. It's a prosperity of fruitfulness. It's a prosperity of sustaining grace and difficulty. It's a prosperity of holiness as you spend time in the word. It's prosperity of life everlasting. It's prosperity is not something that ends, but just grows forever and ever and ever. The prosperity that this life offers is temporary and fleeting. But the prosperity that the psalmist is talking about can't be ripped from you even in death. Some of you may know the story of Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom wrote a book called The Hiding Place and tells the story of how her family first hid Jews from, from the Nazis in, as they occupied Holland where she lived during World War II. And because of that, her whole family was put in concentration camps and she and her sister Betsy were put in the same concentration camp because their Christian conviction led them to protecting the Jewish people. And Corey tells a story about how their Bible study in the barracks of this horrific camp had a transformative effect even in the midst of tremendous suffering. She writes, but as the rest of the world grew stranger, one thing became increasingly clear. And that was the reason the two of us were here. Why others should suffer, we were not known. As for us, from morning until lights out, whenever, whenever we were not in ranks for roll call, our Bible was the center of an ever-widening circle of help and hope. Like waves clustered around a blazing fire, we gathered about it, holding out our hearts to its warmth and light. The blacker the night around us grew, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the word of God. 
who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I would look about us as Betsy read, watching the light leap from face to face, more than conquerors. It was not a wish. It was a face. We knew it. We experienced it minute by minute, poor, hated, hungry. We are more than conquerors. Not we shall be, we are. Life in Ravensbrook took place on two separate levels, mutually horrible. One, the observable external life grew every day more horrible. The other, the life we lived with God grew daily better. Truth upon truth, glory upon glory. That's the life of someone, friends. Not life in the way the world sees it, but outer self wasting away, inward self renewed kind of life. The word widened their circle and brought weary women in, even in a horrible concentration camp. The word made them shine brighter when the darkness closed in. The word helped them endure even when all outside forces made it seem that they wouldn't. So the psalmist tells us to prepare by doing something now. And the psalmist tells us that our preparation will yield results. We will live. But more than anything, what I hope you walk away with is that the message of Psalm 1 is the message of the Bible. It's one message, one book, seen all throughout the Psalms. Knowing the end from the beginning sustains us all throughout the middle. That's the message of the Psalms. You know the end from the beginning and it will sustain you all throughout the middle. If you know the end, that God's word, meditating on God's word day and night will lead to life. And then the message of Psalm 2, that the king, God has a king and his name is Jesus and he will rule and reign over all things. And you are sustained in the messy middle of suffering, of abandonment, of darkness. And this is the message, not just of the Psalms, but all throughout the Bible. Just think for a moment what the New Testament says about Jesus. He's the word made flesh. In John 1, he says the Jesus Storybook Bible says, everything God wants to reveal about himself in a person. And Jesus loved the word. He taught the word. He fulfilled the word. And he's revealed to us in the word. The Bible has no category for loving Jesus and not loving the word. Sometimes we'll say, I, I love Jesus, but I just don't want to study my Bible. Or I love Jesus, I follow him, but I just, I just don't have time. The Bible doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. But the Bible doesn't have a category for that type of response. Because Jesus embodied Psalm 1. He prepared for the darkest suffering with the word. He was prepared for the greatest joys and the greatest sorrows because he knew and delighted in God's word. He fought sin with God's word. He quoted from the Psalms when he was on the cross. And then he used the word to show how he fulfilled everything. So if we love Jesus, we will love the Psalms. And if we love the Psalms, we will grow in our love for Jesus. And if we love the word, We'll grow in our love for Jesus. 
because we love Jesus, we'll grow in our love for the word. And we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for this life. We need to prepare for whatever life will bring. And this is what it means to be prepared. You know the end from the beginning. You know God's purposes from the, from the very beginning. And so you have hope in the messy middle of your life. You know the way of blessing. You know the way to a happy life. So you're ready for the tornadoes. And then you're also ready for the sunshine. The rest of the book of Psalms can only be understood in light of Psalm 1. As we meditate on God's word, it will strengthen us and secure our roots so we can take up the water of the word. We will not be able to make sense of suffering and sorrow. We will not be able to make sense of our deep need to lament and our deep need to repent of our sin or any other thing that comes our way if we don't first see that God's word is our delight it has to be our delight you won't have language to cry out to god in your suffering if you don't let him teach you through his word just think about your life think about your year maybe it's been really hard maybe you feel like you weren't prepared you're in the midst of great suffering and sense that you don't have a strong foundation in god's word don't let that shame take root and tell you that it's too late You've made a shipwreck of your life. You've lived for too long and you can't can't start now. You can always start now. It's never too late. You can start in God's word today. You can find sustaining hope even if God's word hasn't been your foundation up to this point. Even if you're coming into this unprepared for the suffering that you're enduring, God hasn't left you and he's able to meet you in the pages of the Psalms. Today, you can begin reading God's word. Today, you can ask a friend to keep you accountable. Today is the day. Because of what Christ has accomplished for you on the cross, it is never too late to come back to him and come back to the word. If you have breath in your lungs, there is still time. In many ways, with the return to normal, we've been given a blank slate. We've been given a blank slate to, to, to decide what, what do we want our life to look like? What do we want our life to be like? After all that we've gone through, let Psalm 1 be your guide. You can prepare by doing something now and trust that your preparation will yield results. Blessed is the woman who treasures God's word, who makes God's word her meditation day and night. She will find that she is like a tree planted by streams of water. That yields its fruit in season, in the good seasons and the bad. And all that she does, she prospers. She knows what it is to be blessed, even in difficulty, and she doesn't perish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that your word would be the delight of all of these women, that they would meditate on it day and night, that even if they feel overwhelmed, that maybe they, they've made, they haven't made your word their foundation up to this point, Lord, I ask that they would know that it's not too late. That even now they can begin meditating on your word day and night and find hope and help in Christ's name. Amen.
Friend, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Inspire on the Go. I also want to extend a special thank you to Courtney for sharing her heart and God's word with all of us. I encourage you to connect with Courtney at CourtneyRysick.com. Be sure and follow her on social media as well as picking up a copy of her books. As we head into the fall, let's continue to pursue a God-sized vision and focus for life. Let's celebrate together that God is good and that He is making a way. I'm so thankful for you and I'm so thankful we're on this journey together. Have a great week and we'll see you next time right here on Inspire on the Go.